Hello and welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast. We are coming to you after, well, after Arsenal in the League Cup and after Brentford in the Premier League. Um, so we'll probably start with Brentford. Um, and to start with Brentford, I have Beryl Akis in the Netherlands. I've got Neil Patterson in Johnny Gall, Chief, yes? Absolutely, yep. Yeah, wonderful. The, the Wild Atlantic Way. And I have Andy Bell in Liverpool. So just to start us off, Andy, um, the right. I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here. I know we've just like kind of discussed um, everything we're going to talk about on the pod with a, like a mini agenda. So I'm going to go completely off piece here. Um, the midfield, I think, plays really well. Um, I think the three of them have a really good game. Um, and it's kind of funny. There is this, there's this strange perception across the fan base, um, and I don't know whether it's right or whether it's wrong to be honest. But I'm interested in exploring it a little bit. That if the team doesn't score a goal or isn't created enough, it's because the midfield isn't functioning properly. And if we're loose at the back and we can see goals, it's because the midfield isn't functioning properly. And there are players there at the front end of the pitch, Sergio Mane probably excluded, um, that kind of are immune from criticism and everything seems to be labelled at that midfield. So I'm just interested in your opinion on, is our midfield that important that they are literally the difference between us playing well or not playing well? Or is it potentially a systematic issue and a personnel issue. And we know this we know the numbers with we know the numbers with Thiago playing and Thiago not playing. We've seen Naby Keita, two man of the matches in a row in the AFCON and then just like score an absolute thunderbolt tonight. And I texted my brother earlier on and was like would you just stay fit for fuck's sake? Um, with the video of the goal. So I don't know what your thoughts are. Your brother? That. Yeah, te- yeah. My- <laughs> I probably should have texted Nabi if I only had his number, but yeah, maybe I'll like tw- maybe I'll tweet him later. But yeah, I'm just interested in your thoughts. I think it- it's funny because every time, every time we have a bad result or a bad performance, fingers always pointed in the midfield positions, and I'm not sure that's quite fair. Yeah, uh, echo what you said. I hope your brother keeps. Uh, hope your brother stays fit as well. Um, it'll be great for everyone. Yeah, no, um, I, I agree with everything you said. Actually, I think um, I think Jordan Henderson, somebody's come in for a hell of a lot of stick over the last few weeks. Probably the most stick um, of those whose name isn't James Milner. Um, but Henderson, I always feel is the type of player who he's he's not the greatest technical footballer of all time or the greatest technical footballer on Liverpool's side. I still think he's a better technical footballer than people give him credit for, um, but it's not the absolute peak of his game. Jordan Henderson, as I think we were weirdly touching on earlier when we were uh, having a bit of a moan about uh, Emre Chan. he's a player who does everything quickly. He tries to do it one touch where he can, and the way I see football, I love footballers like that. The problem is, when you're slightly off your game, it looks like you're just hoofing it or you're just kicking it or you're just kicking it into space and you can become the the scapegoat quite often. And one thing I noticed, I was I was telling you in the pre-pod, I was right in the upper main uh, on Sunday for that Brentford game. Um, one thing I noticed about him was he, he did seem to be lacking in confidence a little bit. Now, like all players, a 3-0 win and getting a, 
a bit more time in the ball, a bit more of a feel of the ball, um, and not as much pressure on you will certainly do do wonders for your confidence. And I hope it does that for him. But I, I think you did see him on the Thursday night previously against Arsenal. I didn't think he was taking responsibility in the way we were used to. I think he was funneling the ball like the other players and letting them take the flack off the crowd a little bit more. And then on Sunday, um, he was a little bit hit and miss, did some good things, did some bad things. And then obviously you've had the selection of James Milner over the likes of Curtis Jones, over the likes of uh, Nabi Keita, which is probably the most um, frustrating one for a lot of people. I know Nabi sort of has a, a real weird cult of a fan club at times. Um but we know that he's he's trusted Keita in these games before, and these it's backfired on him. He hooks him at half time in the um, I was going to say the Vicente Calderon there, the whatever Atletico Madrid stadium is now, the Metropolitano. He hooks him before half time in uh, in Real Madrid last year, um, and in those bigger games, he's always going to go for that player for whatever reason, whether it's tactical and discipline or not. So, in terms of how the midfield functioned, I think it was more of a systemic thing as you say I think it was more the fact that you know comparing I know you, we're not talking about Thursday night right now but just to do the comparison Minamino was cutting inside and we didn't really have any width and um, we do Chamberlain a little bit too late um, and Jota and Firmino generally aren't close enough to each other and nobody can really do anything uh, especially in a situation where Arsenal go down to 10 men and then the game plan is very clear for them whereas on Sunday you had an out-and-out winger in Chamberlain meaning Jota and Firmino could cut inside and, and sort of be a two rather than a three at times. And then what helped with that was Curtis Jones's tendencies to go out to the left. We've seen him play before and um, played there for about a month, I think, at the start of this calendar year. Um, and then he's supported by Fabinho and Henderson who are naturally going to pull out there anyway. So it became like a 4-2-4 in possession and that really helped. I thought Firmino really thrived. Um, and I think the comparison to Thursday night, that's interesting because Klopp's talked a lot about how he's prepared loads without Salah and Mane. Um, and we've seen two completely, not not different systems, but different personnel and different styles and different approaches there. And I think the one on Sunday is certainly the one we have to go for going forward. Yeah, see, it, it kind of looks like that. And I know we can get carried away with results. And the Arsenal game's kind of weird because I feel like we start quite well. Um, and the red card does change everything. And we'll get to that shortly. But the Jones... The Jones thing for me is something that is going to rumble on probably for years unless he does something amazing, um, which I personally feel he's every chance of doing. But he steps in there on on Sunday. I think he's excellent. I think technically he's really, really gifted. Um, he gives us something different. I think if we talk about influence in the game and, and the attack in third, um, he can be pivotal in that. There's numbers that were floating around before. Is is weird injury? Is eye injury? Is COVID case and things like that? That I think most passes into the final third in like top five percent in in the Premier League. Um, so I think there's a weird perception amongst the fan base that this is just this kind of local lad that we're given additional uh, chances to, because he's a local lad, uh, a bit kind of Jay Spearing, if you want. Um, but personally, I feel he, for me, could and maybe should be, certainly over the next few weeks before we get players back, um, 
a mainstay in that side because he offers you something that the rest of the guys just don't. And I think if you want to talk about comparisons, he's probably more Thiago than anybody else in, in the squad at the moment. Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting, you, you know, that um, it's perception. A lot of it is what you're talking about is, is perception. And um, I think Curtis has been around the senior side now for a couple of seasons now, if not three seasons. Um, certainly, certainly the, the the last two seasons or the last season and a half, he's he's been very much in around the first team. And I think the season before that, he was he was getting his game in in the league cup, and he was you know he was on the bench for Champions League games and stuff. And I think maybe he even got a run out, but he's been he's been on our radar on 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 uh, for example the. the the radar of fans who perhaps didn't pay that much attention to the 23s or whatever, um, or to, to the developmental sides. Um, so he's not, I think basically he's being judged, um, through quite a harsh lens, essentially. Um, yeah, still because young. as you said, the Champions League side, you know, he, he scores that goal away. I think last season. And yeah. I think and it's a vital he, goal. Yeah. Um, and doesn't he get, Three assists away to Porto this season. Yeah, he has a stinker, like in a in a good way. Like he's stinking against against Porto. Like he absolutely rips it up. So, you know, he is still a very young player. That's sort of what I'm getting at here. He's he is still only twenty, and uh, he doesn't he isn't being asked to play in a glamorous position. Um, we know very well that playing across the the three in the midfield for a club team is you don't get you you don't get to look good. You just work, 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 keep the ball ticking over, block off the passing lanes, keep supporting, keep pressing. There's no glory really at the end of it. And it's no it's no um coincidence that very few there have been very few midfielder highlights for Liverpool over, over Klopp's um Klopp's tenure at the club. You know, they, they're very, very functional and they're absolutely vital. As you've alluded to in your first question about um, about the midfield always getting the blame, they will always get the blame because that's how it works. I mean, unless your keeper drops one in or or the centre half has a really obvious mistake, you know, generally if it doesn't quite go so well, it's the midfield's fault. They're not knitting the game together right. So he's he's uh, he doesn't have the the luxury, shall we say, of being a or or the luck to be a young player coming through. You know, a really fancy young player coming through in the front three, or um, you know, or even a a really pacey winger or, or whatever, full of skill. And you know, that that's not what he's been asked to do. He's been asked to do a very specific job, and he's doing it really well. And I think there is a lot to him because otherwise, they wouldn't have the, he wouldn't have become a mainstay around the first team. Um, he wouldn't be trusted. Klopp wouldn't be trusting him um, to play in in in, in big games. In the Champions League, um, in the Premier League, uh, he wouldn't be calling on him. He wouldn't have given him so many starts and and so many so so much game time. So I think it's just one of them. We'll know more and more about him as uh, as he plays more and more games. But I agree with you. I think he's going to be around this Liverpool side for for a long time. Yeah, um, agreed, Chief. Um, they're all. So, someone who a lot of people don't think are going to be around the Liverpool side for a long time is um, 
Alex Oxley Chamberlain. And I was like really, really tempted to throw this to Chief, but I thought better of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's another funny one where he kind of a bit Minamino like, where he kind of finds himself between two stools. He's not really fit for that midfield role. If it is going to be that midfield role, it's where Jordan Henderson or where you've seen Harvey Elliott kind of play um, earlier on the season before his injury. And that's where we've seen the best of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. And I really like him, but I hate to see him in a front three. It's it's really not my bag. Um, but he comes in there, and the goal aside, which is a diving header, which which was commented before, and I do really enjoy a diving header. But <laughs> I don't even know if he sees it. I think it takes a flick off the defender's head, and he puts his arm up, and it kind of hits him and goes in. Um, but I will give him the benefit of the doubt. But I, I just I'm interested in your opinion on what we do with him because yes, we might be able to get something out of him over the next few weeks. But is he someone who might find himself a victim of the system that we're playing now with this? This interesting little triangle out the right-hand side. He can't really do the left-hand side role in the midfield. He's obviously not going to start ahead of any of the front three. Um, do we see a future for him at Liverpool? Or is this maybe kind of the last renaissance before the death knell kind of kicks in when the guys get back from the AFCON and Elliot gets back from his injury? Um, yeah, it, uh, albeit that sounds uh, dramatical, but I, I think that's more likely. Uh, um, but th- there is a caveat. Um, we don't know how uh, our midfield will be freshened up if, if we will get in reinforcements, you know, transfer-wise. Um, um, you know, in January it doesn't seem likely, but um, maybe in the summer, and and then he he probably won't have any chances anymore you know it's 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 you could say it's all down to the fact that he has suffered two um really serious injuries and uh you know w- when he came in from arsenal um he, he was this rampaging midfielder who could uh you know who, who didn't always play uh, uh you know uh, very controlled but uh, who had something that you know the other midfielders didn't have um, because of his drive and and you know uh, combined with with a bit of uh, skill and and with with a, with a good shot on him. So you know we all remember the the uh, the marvelous goal uh, against Manchester City in uh, I I think it's the Champions League where where he, or, or it's the four three. I'm I, I'm not sure anymore. But but you know um, there was this marvelous goal. Uh, in which he caught. Uh, it's both, actually. It's both. It's both, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's two uh, um, um, similar goals, right? Yeah, but that player isn't isn't there anymore. Um, he uh, and it, it, it's you, you can't blame him, and he he probably has done everything he could do to, to get back to the same level. But uh, you know, um, the 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 seriousness of the injuries that he suffered from uh, his in his knees. Um, meant probably that that he does, doesn't have that the same acceleration that the uh, that he used to have. Um, so um, and he 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 wasn't very lucky in in the time that we needed 
uh, midfielders to to because we 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 had to use uh, our midfielders in in defense and uh, uh, and we needed uh, you know um, someone to 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 fulfill the the midfield roles. He 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 was injured or. You know, not not as serious as before, but you know all these little niggles that, that didn't, um, yeah, that that meant that he that he couldn't uh, have a run of games because maybe if he had a run of games that he then he could hold down a place uh, in midfield. I think um, the right sided, um, you know, the from the, the three in midfield, the the right sided spot is something he, uh, you know, he could he, he couldn't do the what what Henderson does, but. Um, maybe uh, could uh, do something else by you know penetrating from defense into to attack more, and then we would have to balance it from the left. But you know, all that being said, I, I uh, he's now a bit part player, and and he will um, remain so, I, I'm afraid, because you know, other than uh, you know when he scored that goal. Um, I thought, oh yeah, it, it, it was about time that you did something. Um, he, he was working, of course, which he always does, but um, n- not much was coming off. But uh, um, it was a really good goal, and it was an important goal because uh, I was getting ner- nervous again. Um, but you know, he eased those nerves with with the tunnel, and maybe he, he can revive himself. But you know, I, I feel we have had this conversation a couple of times in in recent uh, seasons, uh, and I feel I have um, uh, transferred him to Southampton a couple of times before, and maybe you know, Aston Villa is is an interesting uh, prospect. I don't know, but yeah, yeah, I don't see him. Um, um, uh, holding down a place in this midfield, but then again, yeah, well, what do I know? Maybe um, he gets his chance because of injuries, because of um, um, his performances, um, etc. But uh, yeah, I, I like him. He he seems to be a really likable character. I think he has a good influence in 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 the dressing room, as far as I can tell from the outside. But. Uh, um, you know, you were just talking about Curtis Jones. Uh, I think he has a much better chance of uh, holding down a place uh, in years to come in, in our midfield than uh, than Alex Oxlade Chamberlain. I'm I'm afraid. Yeah, I think I think that's probably fair, Andy. Um, I'm going to do myself a a little bit of credit here um, because I get things so wrong so often. This is the one thing that I've got right. Um, Trent this season. I said at the start of the year that I thought he was going to level up. It's 10 assists already. <clears throat> it's, what, 12, two seasons ago, 13 last season. And he looks like he has become a man, like physically. And he's also taken on a, probably a more specific position, kind of, kind of playing nearly like an eight. Um, and it's a bit more nailed down. Uh, and less free, but his influence on this side grows and grows and grows. Uh, me personally, even with Salah in the team, I think he is probably our most important player. Um, he's the one player I don't want to see missing because I also think that I know people will say Salah this and Salah that, but you don't get the same Mo Salah when Trent isn't on the pitch. Yeah, I suppose the the only other one would would be Van Dyke, wouldn't it? Um, just based yeah, off I'm last sure. year. 
Yeah, and I'm not sure he is quite back to where he is. So if I'm looking at who we've got now and what their form is, um, for me, he, he's the man. But also, in, in just in terms of the passing as well, the passing ability. But but I'm with you. It's probably tight between the two of them. I would say it's between uh, Trent and Virgil more than more than Salah and Virgil. Just, but yeah, it was obvious from last season, especially those six home defeats in a row, that something needed to change with the fullbacks. They had an unbelievable run for one and a half to two and a half years going right back to the Kiev season uh, where they were just on fire. They were breaking they were breaking records and the records that were breaking were each other's records. It was absolutely ridiculous. And I think Trent's got to a point now this season where he's he's actually not that far off the all-time Premier League assists record. Um, I think he maybe needs 10 more assists this season or is it 12 more assists? Is it four, four, oh, um, it is n- nine, I think. Ozil with the 18. Mm. Is there an Henri stat as well that he's trying I think, to break? Henri, I think Ozil holds a record, I'm pretty sure. I, th- I thought I heard mentioned Henri. It might be a different stat. But anyway, going back to what I was saying, it's, it was obviously something needed to change. Teams had obviously worked it out. The, the spaces um, that the fullbacks were picking up, they were completely nullified. Um, and they were both similar styles of fullbacks a year ago, I would say. Um, in terms of the fact that the idea was always you get them out wide, you get the ball to them um, and uh, it's sort of delivery into the box or working it from there whereas this year Liverpool have clearly seen with Trent that, and the statistics show this as well, you know, crosses from the very wide areas very rarely result in goals compared to you know, if you can work the ball in a little bit to a, to a slightly more infield area, say the, the corner of the box, if you get a cross in from there you have a much better chance of scoring and it makes sense, you're closer to the the um, the attacking players, you can get a bit more whip in the ball, yada yada yada. And they've seen that, um, and and it, they've really worked something out there, especially with Henderson on the right. And I still maintain that Henderson plays that right hand side of midfield far better than anyone else in our squad. And his role in sort of providing the width almost always is a decoy, uh, but not always to sort of let uh, Trent and Salah get those spaces inside uh, has been so key to that that working for him. And um, yes, sometimes he's on it, um, and when he's not on it, he seems to have an absolute stinker, and that I suppose is the the next part of his game. Maybe doing the Curtis Jones thing of last season, where he finds his seven out of ten game. He finds a game where if he's not on it, if the crosses aren't working, if the passes aren't working, if the extravagant stuff isn't working every time, how can Trent find his six or seven out of ten game where he's not affecting the team? Uh, like I feel he did a little bit on Thursday, but maybe that's harsh because. You know, we're always going to look to him to break down 10 men of Arsenal and 10 men of Arsenal are probably harder to break down than 11 men of Brentford playing in the same style, if that makes sense. So, yeah, mm-hmm. he, on, on Saturday, he gets his assist, doesn't he? Um, I mean, I'm sure he didn't mean to, to bounce it in the middle of the goal and over on the Fabinho's head, but it still registers as another one of set-piece deliveries. is really, really good. Um, and one nice that he is for us. And, you know, when you look down the squad, we've just world-class players in every position in that starting 11 and it's said before it'll be said again it's not an original point but that first 11 probably does challenge Man City all the way for the league it's just the case of whether we can keep them fit and so far this season we haven't at times but not to the same extent as last season so fingers crossed yeah Chief um a good three points it's a three points that takes us it takes a second. Um, I think with 
uh, Brighton uh, drawn with Chelsea tonight. We're a point ahead of them with two games in hand. Just to finish off the, the Brentford game, you know, we won our game in hand. We are eight points behind Manchester City. We still need to go there. Is it naive to think we're still in the title race, even if we can go there? Do the Eddie had and take three points? Is six points, even at this stage, too much to claw back the way they're playing? Because it's 12, it's 12 games in a row they've won, and even the games they've looked like they might drop points in, they were doing that thing that we did when we won the title, which was just somehow getting over the line, somehow getting the last-minute win, somehow getting the luck that they needed. It's one of them. If they, if, if they continue to play how they're playing at the moment, and getting the rub of the green that they get at the same time, then they're they're going to win every game and and that's that. But you know, it rarely happens like that. We were minds clear last December before the run of six straight fucking home defeats, um, and you know people were writing off City and writing off the title. This was obviously off the back of our steamroller year where we won twenty six out of the first twenty seven. Um, so it, it looked it looked sewn up at Christmas last year uh, the other way, and of course City ended up winning the league at a canter, and I think the shift was something like I don't know twenty odd points. Um, so uh, unlikely that that's going to happen again. Unlikely that they're going to collapse in the in the same way that we did, given the the strength of their squad and and you know the way that they can seemingly just evade any kind of rule that's brought in to curb anything. Allegedly, but um, you can't give up. Basically, I mean that, that's obviously why Klopp went went nuts at the end of of the game. We have to win every game. There's no no two ways about it. Um, as I mentioned there, they're unlikely to slip up. But if they do, we have to be around to take advantage. And you know the worst the worst case scenario is that. They drop off a little bit, but we we've dropped. You know, we've we've taken our eye off the ball, thinking the league's already done, and um, and aren't there to capitalise. So, you know, it, it's January, and we've I think we've got what is it, sixteen games left or seventeen games left of the season. So it's almost pretty much almost half. Um, we've got the game in hand on City. They haven't had any real COVID issues. They haven't had obviously they don't they don't really suffer from players going away to, to AFCON. They haven't had any postponements. So they've sailed on through. But you know, as the old adage is that every team hit, hits a sticky patch. So let's hope they hit one. Um I for one want to keep winning games anyway because I hate watching us not win. Um it's just fucking undermines the whole reason for me watching football at all so so I have to you know I like to see us win basically put it like that I'm sure we all do and um, I, you know I want the, the lads to have that attitude right to the last and, and keep going and if they win every game from now to the end of the season then so be it um, but why don't we try and do the same yeah that, that's all fair Um Beryl, this team has come in for a lot of criticism. There's a lot of scrutiny attached and, you know, there's a lot of a lot of accusations labelled at the owners, which, depending on what side of the fence you sit on, you may feel that they're fair or they're unfair. 
in my opinion, you've you've got the same people who are complaining about us not spending money are the same people that were like falling over themselves to hurl abuse on Twitter that we were linked with Jared Bowen at the start of the season. Like this was some sort of joke. And well, I don't know. Look at him now. I think he's responsible for a third of, of West Ham's XG this year. So we can we can throw accusations and we can have our opinions, which is fine. But actually, the reality is that these guys have got things wrong in the past, but they've also got things right that we initially thought were two ridiculously stupid moves. Like the obvious one that always springs to my mind is, oh my God, you're, literally, you're actually going to spend that amount of money on Sadio Mane? Are you mental? But this team that's, you know, the second in the league, it's 21 matches, 45 points. Um, Henry Jackson put a tweet out the other day, Liverpool's best ever team in 88-89 after 21 matches had 32 points. Manchester United's treble winners after 21 matches had 38 points. And Arsenal's invincibles after 21 matches had 49 points. So we're perpetually comparing ourselves to, to Manchester City, which is inevitably what you'll do. You'll you'll always bench yourself against the best because they are the bar, they are the benchmark, but you know, they've kind of skewed things a little bit, partly because of what Chief has said. Um, they they seem to be unaffected by Injuries by COVID by Afcon and and that's literally because of literally because they can spend a hundred million pounds on a footballer that will probably start fifteen matches this season and it's I feel a little bit like it's kind of unfair to criticise this side and this ownership and this manager and these players by just directly comparing them to Manchester City. Yeah, that's absolutely true. It's um, um, you, you said that Man City have um, changed things a bit, but uh, I think you're being, um, um, you know, um, I, I want to say hyperbolic, but that's that's absolutely the the wrong thing to say. Understated. That's what I was uh, uh, looking for. The word that I was looking for. It's it's they have changed things massively. It's it's. Um, you know, we've had teams that have enormous deep pockets. Um, uh, you know, uh, in Chelsea, Manchester United, and and some of them are um, uh, smarter in 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 spending their money than others. Uh, you know, uh, I, I've heard that that Everton are one of the biggest spenders in recent years. But you know, we we all know how they've spent their money. So. They're still shit, um, uh, although they have spent all that money. But um, on, on, if you have a club that is not only um, um, rich beyond imagination, but also has um, you know you know has has the the intelligence to to appoint people who who actually know what they're doing. Uh, you know, they started with Begiri Stein and uh, what's his name, Soriano, etc. But um, and they got in Pep Guardiola, who is, you know, I might say a, a quite a good coach. Uh, you know, he knows what he's doing. And 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 then they started um, buying players with their uh, infinite money, uh, buying players that um, 
um, that that all fit the same model and that that all can be a part of a Pep Guardiola team. And so, yeah, they don't suffer from um, from players being injured because if Laporte is out, then they uh, then they have uh, Diaz. Uh, I believe his name is yeah, Ruben Diaz. And if Ruben Diaz is, is out, then they still have Stones. Um, and and you know I don't need to name all, all of these players, but well they've they've a forty million they've a forty billion pounds Nathan Ake sitting on the bench, so that kind of says it all, doesn't it? It's and they have a, a redundancy which is unparalleled uh, in and so it it, it means uh, you know that maybe even the adage of of a bad patch during the season might not occur um I, I think and and you know paradoxically maybe their their only weak spot is 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 pep guardiola um overthinking things and 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 getting more frustrated about the fact that you know the the, the holy grail the champions league is is still uh, elusive and they still haven't won that but you know uh, uh, they will win it if if this continues because uh, the Premier League, uh, uh, the UEFA uh, seem um, uh, not only n- not determined enough to 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 stop them and to to enforce FFP or you know uh, uh, the FFP-like rules of the Premier League, but they don't. Uh, even if they would want to, they they don't seem um, they don't have the same firepower. You know, in 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 legal terms, you could say. So let's leave them aside. If you look at what we are doing. And what we try to do is, uh, in in recent years, is is trying to compete with that, with that you know, um, immense um, a club uh, that you know they can have. I think they can have three teams that that could compete for uh, um, for honors in 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 the English league or in the cups. But um, we don't have those those massive resources, so we needed to. Uh, do it a different way and um, you know the first thing was of course Klopp and then uh, the recruiting being smart you know I I thought Jared Bowen was overpriced uh, in the start of the season and I was wrong Uh, and I thought that Sadio Mane was you know it was a good player but not what was it 32 million if I'm correct I thought that's you know massively overpaying but you know I think it ended up like he I think he was he was more expensive than Andy Carroll I think it was like 37 Okay, yeah, that that rings a bell. But you know, he came after Andy uh, Carroll, and he came after uh, Christian Benteke, who all cost massive sums of money and and didn't deliver. And you know, at that time, I thought we are massively overpaying. So it it, it, it seemed <laughs> it seemed likely that we were doing the same thing for Sadio Mane. But after that, you you you, sh- you could say that every big transfer was a hit. Um, uh, the ones that weren't hits are probably the ones that we were um, taking a punt. Like, you know, I wouldn't write off Minamino just yet, but uh, in my mind, I maybe already have. Um, but all the others, you could say, even you know, uh, what did he cost eleven million? Uh, um, uh, Costas Tsimikas. Um, you know he's 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 a wonderful backup for for, for Robertson and maybe even uh, you know uh, we, we wouldn't sometimes even miss Robo. Um, okay, but so yeah, it, it it's unfair to say that um, 
that it is uh, an underachievement to not reach uh, the same levels that we have um, uh, reached in 1819 and 1920, and and w w in which we could, um, uh, you know, um, race with uh, with Manchester City, because you know it's it, it's just unfair. We have not the same sort of resources, and we're still still doing really well and even in 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 the the enormous car crash of a season uh, that was the last season that we 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 still managed to get to get to to third and, and uh uh into champions league so uh, i i i still um you know i am frustrated about the fact that we, we didn't um try to fill the uh, glaring holes um last season in defense and this season in in, in midfield but in the same time, I, I you know, uh, it, it, everything considered, this is still a massive success uh, until so far. So, yeah, let's, you know, we would need a miracle to 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 win the league this season. So that seems unlikely, which miracles usually do. But uh, I wouldn't give up all hope, and uh, and still we still have the cups. So, um, yeah, let's go. Yeah, so uh, nice segue overall. Thanks very much. On to the cup, Sandy. Um, first leg of the Carabao Cup semi-final. Um, no, no. A really, really frustrating night. I think we start well. Um, I think we have chances. Um, the, the red card. It's really annoying because the red card should do us a favour and it doesn't again for the second time this season. And you and I were out that day when the red card happened at Anfield against Chelsea with Reece James and it pretty much finishes the game as a contest. Um, it's just a procession to, to no more goals after that. And the kind of... I said this on the podcast pre-Arsenal that I would expect the first kind of, certainly the first at least half an hour, maybe even 60 minutes to be a bit disjointed and maybe a lack of penetration um, because you've got that three of Minamino, Jota, Firmino. We didn't really know what way they were going to play, what way they were going to line up, um, who would be left, who would be right. And then we get Chamberlain that comes in instead of Minamino, and it's a weird one. I like him. He smashes that one over the bar at the end. And I'm still at a quandary as to what do we do what do we do second leg to address those issues? Is it just basically as you were, or is there a way that we can, I suppose, is is the red card an excuse for those three not being able to get the same influence on the game as happened at the weekend? Because I think the red card is more of a factor that we consider. You kind of throw those two games parallel and you think, well, those three didn't penetrate and those three did penetrate. But actually, the first half, we're not causing the massive problems against Brentford, are we? So it's it's much of a muchness in my eyes, if you want to look at it that way. I think the issue is when you when you play a top six team like Arsenal or like Chelsea, the two games you mentioned there, when the team goes down to 10 men. I think I said this in the first part, on the second part. Um, playing Arsenal or Chelsea with 10 men, parking the bus is a lot more difficult than playing Burnley or Brentford or Crystal Palace with 11 men parking the bus in the same way. Um, it's just that very rarely you actually get to see a top 16 parking the bus. 
because without the loss of a man or without going down to 10 men, you don't really get away with it, do you? Unless you're Jose Mourinho, who everyone found notoriously hard to break down before he became really shit at football management. It was even the same with like Solskjaer at times when um, they decided they were playing 11 men behind the ball in those games that where we were going for the league at Old Trafford. We found it difficult to break down. Good teams playing extremely negatively is very hard to break down, and that's just the reality of it. Um, I think you can overanalyze certain things. There were certain things I noticed. Um, I think when they go down to 10 men, you look to get probably Milner off the pitch as quick as possible. Why don't you do Chamberlain for that little bit more urgency? I think he waits certainly until after 70 minutes to do Chamberlain. And I think that substitution should come earlier. And I'm no massive fan of Chamberlain in the midfield, I think, um, much like Chief. So there was that. And then I mentioned in the first part as well about Henderson and certain players not taking responsibility at times. It felt as though the crowd were very restless that night and very, very restless. It was annoying me at times because um, we weren't really getting behind them at all. And we were, you know... The way the crowd was acting, in no way would that benefit the team. It wasn't cheering them up. It wasn't giving them a kick up the arse. That wasn't what we needed. It wasn't motivation. It was energy. It was guile. It was creativity. It was a moment of magic. And that never really came. And as I say, you had like Chamberlain when he came on and Henderson. And even Trent at times, nobody wanted to take the initiative. It was a safe pass at times. And God love him when poor Nico Williams came on. Every time the ball was funneled over to him and it was like, well, you can put the cross in that the crowd are going to get really frustrated with here uh, and we'll just stand back and watch you get loads of stick as a young player. And I thought he actually played really well, Nico Williams. Um, he had a few crosses that were hit and miss, but he also put a couple of decent ones in and he nearly scores at the end. Um, and I suppose if, if Minamino scores from five yards out, you're looking at that and you're thinking, well, we got away with one, we weren't great, but ultimately we take a lead in the next week. And I have mentioned in this podcast before I've defended Minamino, I've said he needs to play with the quick lads around him, like Firmino. Um, he needs selling money there so he can play. You know, I always thought he was going to be a central player because players who don't have much pace generally are for Jurgen Klopp in, in this Liverpool side. Um, but I decided after Thursday night he was dog shit. I decided I was completely done with it. He's just crap. Um, and when he came on on, on Sunday, I actually did really well. So hopefully I've I've jinxed him into um, into some form and more than happy to look like a tit at any occasion in which he can benefit the Reds. So yeah, I think just looking over to Thursday Thursday night, I think as I said earlier on. So I feel like I'm repeating myself quite a bit, but um, it all sort of ties into these last three games because it's the it's the month without Salah and Mane. It's the, the month where we've been preparing for him. We've found, you know, supposedly different systems that we know are going to work. I think you do go with Chamberlain on the out wide. I think you get Jota and Firmino as close to each other as possible because without that, they just become isolated and they don't really have the pace or the... I, was, I wouldn't say or the magic, but, you know, Firmino and Jota aren't the type of players who are going to pick up the ball 40 yards from goal and it's one versus four and they're going to... You know, pull something out of the bag like Mo Salah. John is more of a penalty box striker. Firmino's more of a build-up player in himself. So I think we need to get them as close to each other as possible. Always playing as a two at times. Um, and I think I would just go for the team that played at the weekend. And if he wants to do something at centre-half with Kanate, fine. I'd rather he didn't. I think Matip is... As much as Kanate's really impressed me, and I think physically... He looks amazing, and at times he's looked brilliant. And goodness me, he is going to score at some point. It feels like it's a 
he's getting his head on a corner every single game. I do just think right now Matip is levels above him. Um, I think Matip is world class. There's absolutely no doubt about that right now. And I was somebody who. Andy, I've said this. Him. I've said this about Matip. Um, Matip is the centre half that everybody want. Everybody in the league wants, but no one actually realises that it's him. Yeah, and I I could not stick him for a couple of years. Um, I thought he was really poor, and I thought that just because he came in, um, after Lovren had a disastrous season, everyone thought he was a messiah just because he wasn't Lovren. Um, but goodness me, ever since he sort of came into the team in that uh, wasn't the Kiev season, was it? it was in Madrid, second half of the the season where we get to Madrid, he's been absolutely world class ever since. I think he's amazing, and I think Kanate can get to that level. And I think for the age he's at, he's an unbelievable third choice centre half. And I think we should look to get him games where we can. But in a big game like this where we need to win and you know where it can really revitalise us this season and get us a trophy. Um, I would go with Matip. So it actually will be the same team that started uh, on Sunday um, and take it from there. And that gives you options off the bench. That gives you Minamino off the bench. You know, in a game, can it go to extra time or not? I'm not sure. Yeah, it then, can, yeah. It, it can go to extra time. So, you know, Minamino's running and is pressing numbers. That could come into play, um, you know, with the Tara and Arsenal team who seem to be depleted as well as us. Um, and then who else does that leave you with? I guess Kate Gordon and... A couple of others. Ideally, you don't want it to get to that because both squads are depleted. But um, yeah, I think that gives us the best chance of winning. I think you go with that team to start. Um, you go your strongest team to start and worry about the rest uh, later on if we haven't got the goal. Yeah, that that's kind of fair, Chief. Um, I think we get an insight into Klopp's intent in this competition in the first leg with his lineup. Um, Andy kind of calls the same eleven. Uh, midfield and all what do you expect do you expect us to go there and take the game to Arsenal do you expect us to kind of feel our way through it it's a weird one I feel like the away goals thing in this competition I know it's obviously been removed from European competition and stuff too but it kind of fed into that batting down the hatches um, mentality that Arsenal had in the first day because the away goal didn't really matter and again, it similarly plays into our mentality going into this game that the away goal, you know, it, it's not such it, it's not such a massive incentive for us to go and score. We can kind of just bide our time and play a cagey and maybe wait for a mistake. Although that's not really us, is it? So, what way do you see it playing out? It's. I mean, I don't see us really approaching this game any differently to how we, we generally would approach any game. Um, we'll, we'll go out and try and win. It's interesting that the first leg played out and the went did. Um, obviously, Klopp was very disappointed afterwards. But you, as I think as fans, we all half expected it. You know, the first game without Mane and Salah, you looked at the front three and you thought, there's not much pace there. Um, we're going to be pretty solid, but where's where's the goal coming from? Where's the spark coming from? Now, I think, as has been referenced a couple of times, the sending off massively changed things. But, do you know, if we go through there, if Jota gets in, which he is in, and buries that, you know, there's no talk of, oh, we struggle to break down an Arsenal side or... Uh, we look toothless without Manny and Salah. If, if Jota r- rattles that in on 
20 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever it is, there's no, um, there's nothing to say that we don't go on and win that game comfortably again, as we had done in, in the league previously and, and tend to any time Arsenal pitch up at Anfield. Um, so I think I'd agree with, with Andy. I think he goes very similar um, to the, well, to both teams, the team that started at Arsenal and the team that uh, started against Brentford. I mean, there were only two changes anyway. I'd be interested to see if he goes with Chamberlain again or if he brings Minamino in uh, or if he starts, as Andy says, the same way and keeps Minamino for later in the day. Um, what it does do is it means that it's, you know, it, it, it's an obvious thing to say. It's a truism, but it's a, it's a clean slate. Nobody has an advantage. So just go out and win the game. And if it takes you the extra time to win the game, win it an extra time. Don't think anyone wants penalties. And I don't think there's any need to put any of us through penalties. We're, we're better than this Arsenal side. Uh, even with no Mane, no Salah, no Kaida, we're still better than this Arsenal side. Um, Chief, I almost think that's that from the first leg. I don't know if you agree. Like, um, Obviously, would have rather have got the goal. But if you go into the second leg 1-0 up, you sort of in a weird grey area as to how to approach it whereas yeah. without away goals with a nil-nil it's literally just a league game you go that's and win it. it yeah there's none of the there's none of the tactical headaches that come in with should we defend first or should you know do we need to score or a draw would be alright for us you know it's just it's it's just a, a game it's just 90 minutes and potentially 120 minutes to, to come out on top um, and I think that's how we'll approach it and that you know obviously Said the same last week, and it didn't quite happen. Uh, we we probably talked about why it didn't quite happen, but uh, I think it will happen this week, and we'll go out and we'll beat them. Um, as to how comfortable it is, time will tell. But honestly, I think we're we are much better than them. And if we get that goal, if we get a first half goal. I'd see us winning comfortably, and by comfortably, I say at least by two goals. Okay, interesting. I'm a little less confident, Beryl, because, like, obviously, I think Arsenal are absolutely class, right? And Mikel Arteta is the second coming. Oh, listen, he will reinvent the entire sport of football. There's no doubt about it. Um, but, but, but genuinely, um, Beryl, to say that they are getting better as a side and they are starting to find themselves. Um, they've got some good young players. They're pretty exciting to watch they probably you know put the best performance up against City than any other side this season maybe bar us um, at Anfield but to be to be fair first half against City I thought we were absolutely shite at home so there is an argument to say that they have performed better against the best side in the league currently than anybody else so this isn't this isn't the old soft touch Arsenal. We've said this before, and they did something at Anfield um, last Thursday night. That, and this is this is worth saying. That's something that we haven't seen an Arsenal team do in probably a decade. And I know the situation bore itself out that it informed them what to do, but they were still able to do it. So I don't necessarily think that this is going to be easy. I think this is going to be tight. And I'm not hugely confident that 
we can go there and get a result. Yes, I think we'll probably sneak through, but I'm not sitting here thinking that it's Arsenal. You know, let's just go. Let's get the job done like we usually do. This is a side that I believe are going places, and I don't know where you are on this. Are you a little bit more anxious than than maybe the average Liverpool fan? Uh, I I think uh, I'm on the same same frequency as you you are on, on this. Uh, um, I, I I've said this before that uh, um, I, I thought they played really well against Man City, and um, uh, until you know the, the point that they uh, I thought the penalty was really not a penalty. Um, it, it was a dive by uh, Bernardo Silva, I thought, um, and, and the penalty decision was ludicrous. And then they just self-destroyed uh, um, uh, and 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 uh, lost the game in, in in a couple of minutes. And then um, you know, and and you know, they actually lost it in the in the last uh, kick of the game, almost. So it, it was it was even harsh. But um, in the same um, but it was also um, inevitable in some ways, but um, that might be my hindsight bias. I think um, there, um, them being able to 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 stop us from scoring was had more to do with us than with them. I think because you know, for instance, and and this is a really bit of a platitude, but you know, if if Minamino just scores scores from I believe some five meters out of. Uh, in front of a, an empty goal, then you know um, the the narrative would be different. Uh, and I agree that it's probably better to go in uh, this game with with a clear mind and you know just have the the target you need to win this game. Um, so it, that might be a blessing in disguise. But uh, I think, and we played that game with uh, with the uh, already infamous um, midfield uh, setup with uh, Hendo, Fab, and and Millie. And you know that that midfield really lacks dynamism and it lacks creativity. So um, uh, and, and we persevered with doing that for 60 minutes. So I I really think that was our doing more than it was their doing. So uh, I hope we we don't um, uh, double down on that on that mistake. You know Klopp has has a tendency to to be um, stubborn and that's probably a quality in in in, in many respects. But so I, I hope we don't see that midfield ever again, but um, certainly not in this game. Um, I hope Curtis plays. I don't know where Thiago is, uh, if, if in, uh, in what stage of his uh, uh, his recovery he is. He uh, he was supposed to start rehab uh, a week ago. I've seen uh, Harvey Elliott in training today, so you know he won't be able to play. But um, and, and I thought um, Morton played. Really well, I, I think he, he uh, against Shrewsbury. I, I was I was impressed with how he uh, played in the uh, the eight role. Um, so there are some um, ways to 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 fill in that midfield, and I think if you have the uh, you know the the qualities that you need from midfield, you know the rigidity, the the being solid, but at the same time providing for um, uh, for a front three that which uh, you know isn't. Um, the, the the famous uh, uh, front three that we uh, usually have, so it, they need more from from the rest of the team probably. Then I, I'd give us a good chance, but uh, you know they are a good team, and I think uh, especially Saka is, is I think is is really good, and they have uh, they have 
tried uh, to to find a, a way in accommodating him, him uh, which was easier when Obama Young uh, um, uh, started to 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 think that he's more than he is, uh, you know. Uh, and and the new focal point is 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 Sakai, I believe. So that they they play a long ball uh, on him, and he's really good at uh, at keeping that ball. And then they start, uh, you know, try to. Uh, um, to build from there, and um, you know, but if I can see it, uh, and I'm just you know, um, your your average uh, uh, football watcher, then then uh, I'm sure our tactical team has has found uh, uh, solutions for that. So yeah, I'm uh, I agree with you that they they are not the team that you can push over that uh, Arsenal has been for a while now. Um, they are a good team. I think we need to be at our best. Um, but I would I would make us favourites um, because we are the better team. Yeah, and we are the better team. There is no doubt about that. Whether we're the better eleven going to that match is is a difficult one to predict at this time, given the players that we have missing, given the players that they have missing, given the COVID situation, even whether the game goes ahead or not. So. Um, just a quick round robin before we finish off. Andy, do we win? What's the score? And is it normal time, extra time, or penalties? Um, I think we win on penalties. I think it'll be tight. But I think it was a bit of a dog of a game, to be honest, with us being depleted, them being depleted. Um, and if it goes to penalties, there's only one winner, isn't there? Because it's probably, awesome. yeah, yeah, probably. It's all very awful. And of Saka, so that that seems that seems about <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, Keith. Tacky. <laughs> oh, I know, poor Tacky. Every time you think he's gonna ignite his Liverpool career, he misses a penalty, even after scoring a late equaliser, and then he blazes one over the bar. And it's just, I feel really bad for him because I, I, he's just really likeable. Chief, same question to you. Do we win? Is it normal time, extra time or penalties? Yeah, I think we win. And I think we win 2-0 in normal time. 2-0 in normal time. Okay, great. Beryl, finally. Yeah, I was going to say 2-0 in normal time, but now I'm going to say uh, 3-1 in normal time. <laughs> oh, okay. 3-1 in normal time. I'm happy enough with that as long as the three come before the one because I'm really getting fed up with these like stressful, anxious games whenever cup games actually matter now. Um, beforehand, it was great. You could just like turn the domestic cup games on, relax, maybe watch some young players and get a bit of a side of them. And if you lose, you lose. And if you don't, you don't. Well, fine. But what do you think, Dave? What do I think? Um... I'll go I'll go 2-1 to the Reds I'll go 2-1 yeah normal time I don't think it's going to be fun I don't think it's going to be pretty Um, it's going to be stressful it's not going to be enjoyable but we'll we'll get there in the end and then what we'll do is we'll go out and have a nice time and I think this is I think this is important it's it's our first domestic cup final in what? Is it five years or six years? Yeah. 
2016, wasn't it? Was uh, City? Was City? So six is the first domestic cup final. So in six, six years. years. Yeah, fuck, it's 2022. Yeah. Do you know? So like, I I, I enjoy the domestic cup final. It's over ten years since our last domestic cup final went, and it's a great day out. It's a great day out if you're if you're at the stadium, which is obviously amazing. It's an even better day out. If you just get to go to the bar and you don't have to travel down to London and go out with all your mates and have the crack, so for me, that's what I'm in it for. That's what I'm in, that's what I'm in it for. Spending time with your friends, going out, getting drunk, having a lovely time, and hopefully we win and it can be a great day out. So until then, up the domestic reds. <laughs> <laughs>